Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Firmamental Podcast. I am your host, Raul. We got the brother Alex with us, and we got a very special guest, which I will introduce here shortly. A um, few little housekeeping notes. Wanted to remind you guys to go check out the website, thefirmamentalpodcast.com. Uh, go check out the shop. We've been putting up new designs. Uh, shout out to Kati, which is Alex's wife, for all the beautiful designs. I myself am wearing a Firmamental shirt right now. Uh, Alex is wearing the old world order shirt. Shout out to Sean Hibbler. Um, and we also just wanted to actually, I'll let Alex go ahead. And, uh, I think you wanted to thank the firm fam out there, didn't you? Oh man. I just wanted to say such a huge shout out to the firm mentalists out there for actually taking the time and the trouble to, uh, on Spotify, especially to go and rate and follow us. I mean, we got almost a hundred five-star reviews. We've got a perfect, perfect rating. And I'm, I mean, that's just incredible, uh, for us in the amount of time that we've done that. So that that's a testament to how great the people that are listening to us are because they're actually take taking that time out of the day to do that like that's a huge thing yeah and don't don't forget to click the little bell there too so you get all the episodes as soon as they drop um yeah i think that's pretty much it you know you guys uh on thursday which is thanksgiving there will be a new dispatches from reality so go check that out go check out the talking stit podcast and uh go support disorganized productions as well and in saying that, we're going to go ahead and roll into tonight's special guest. We've got Andrea, the permaculture princess. She is a wife, a mother, a homesteader, a personal trainer, a health coach, a model, a follower of Christ, and a podcaster and a big time daddy's girl. And I pretty much got all of that just from, from listening to some of her episodes and checking out her website. So with no further ado, if you would like to say hello to the Firmamentalist, uh, go ahead, Andrea. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I am. I'm pumped to be here. I'm pumped to have this conversation. We mentioned that we kind of connected through the Flat Earth podcast with George Hobbs. And uh, it's just very cool that he is connecting community like he is. And so yeah, I'm, I'm loving what you guys are up to. I've listened to a few of your podcasts already. Um, and yes, it is super cool when people leave reviews as a podcaster myself. It does. It takes it takes intention. There are tons of podcasts that I've listened to in the past that I've loved that I haven't necessarily left reviews for. So it takes a lot of intentionality to leave a review. So that is awesome that you guys are uh, getting that getting that audience. So well done. Yeah, and and well done with the content you're creating. You know, I think it's such a tremendous subject, and it's uh, very important. Uh, skills to learn and and and, uh, and obtain right self sustainability. So I know that's uh, I mean your show is called the Permaculture Princess. We've had I don't know if you're familiar with Billy Bond from uh, the Permaculture Pimp Cast. We've had him on in the past, and mm -hmm. we've actually been on his show. Um, shout out to him, and he kind of got me into some of this stuff. And me personally, for the first time this year, I started a garden and grew some successful vegetables and and some watermelons, uh, nothing too big, but just getting started. But I'm really, Alex and myself are really getting into this and researching this. So go ahead and just tell them a little bit about yourself. Tell them about your podcast and, you know, about your homesteading and, and why that has become your passion and how long have you been doing this? Yeah. So Permaculture Princess grew out of uh, a goal initially that my husband got me into, which was that I was at school in Madison. I was finishing up my degree there. So 
if we back up a second, I did two years at UW-Madison, and then I took three years off, uh, which included uh, going to a Bible school, evangelism school down in Florida, and then I worked for that school, and then I lived in Israel for five months where I filmed a Bible study documentary series, and then I lived in Nashville while we edited that series, and then I jumped over to Montana where I was helping my aunt with a natural cancer therapy. And while I was in Montana helping my aunt with a natural cancer therapy, I met my husband. At the time, he had just moved back to Montana after going through his own cancer therapy. Um, and so we got to talking about natural living, um, faith, everything. There's so many things that brought us together. But I can come back to those parts of the story, but the reason that he got into permaculture was, oh man, now the name is Jeff Spierko. Why can't I say his first name? Spierko. Anyway, there was a podcaster that he was listening to that was really into permaculture. So my husband took a permaculture design course, and I think through Jeff Lawton, who was in Australia, and I think he's now in Jordan. Is that possible? I could have that confused, but um, so he is, so Jeff Lawton was, I believe, who took her, who was teaching the course that my husband took. And I went back to Madison. I finished up my degree and my husband wanted to do permaculture design. That was his dream. So while he was kind of thinking about doing that, I said, hey, I have a communication degree. I'll make your website and I will help you kind of market permaculture design and we'll become a landscaping couple. <laughs> that was the original design of Permaculture Princess. It was supposed to be a landscaping company. Uh, and we kind of started out doing that. And then we got interested in what my parents were doing, which my dad owns real estate. So we started helping out with his real estate and the, the landscaping kind of fell to the side. Um, but I still had this website and I kind of I like I didn't know what to do with it, but I liked writing about permaculture. And if your audience is unfamiliar, permaculture is permanent agriculture. That's the easiest way to kind of think of it. And now there's tons of different backgrounds on this. But what I took, it, I really took it and like ran with it myself, which is where the princess side comes in, <laughs> because I think that there's a lot of um I don't know, like maybe new age background or uh, like like philosophies that match with permaculture. But I took permaculture as this philosophy of land ethics and people ethics and how to watch and learn pattern recognition. And when you're looking at the way nature works on its own, you start to realize, oh, it does better than when man gets involved. And what that tells me is that there is a designer, right? We have a God who designed everything and he implemented everything exactly the way it was supposed to be. And it's people that come in and mess it up, right? So when you're driving down the road and you see a field of corn, like just corn. I mean, I live in Wisconsin, so I see lots of <laughs> corn <laughs> and all kinds of just fields, monocrop systems, right? This is not the way God designed. God designed nothing to grow all it all in one way in rows in perfection without any weeds like that was not God's design. 
Um, but what he did design is these these like little food forests, right? He designed the garden. He designed these these places where nature grows up and there might be a tree, there might be a fruit tree, and then underneath it there might be uh, you know, a bush of some sort. And then there's probably vines and other plants like plants fill spaces naturally. So what permaculture does is it looks at the way things are happening naturally, and then they say, and then we try to implement those those systems. So permaculture design is a way of looking at what's happening at in these different zones in these different places, and saying how can I match the way God designed it in this area. Uh, so that is the way that permaculture is set up. But I took that and I said, wow, what if we looked at all of life <laughs> in this way? What if we looked at all of life and we stepped back and we watched for pattern recognition and we watched for the way that God designs things and we said, God, how can I live the most abundant life possible? Because permaculture makes the most abundant landscape possible. How can I live in a way that makes uh, peace and joy and love and light more abundant in my life? And that's a promise that God made. He made that in John 10, 10, where he says, the thief comes to destroy and to steal, but I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundant. So that is, it's a biblical promise. And all throughout the scriptures, God is promising uh abundance for his children, right? Like he's a good father. He wants to give good gifts. He wants to do good things. He says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. So like the the Bible is full of these promises. So I took permaculture, which is maybe kind of a new age thing, if you want to say, and I pulled the the concept out of nature and I like pushed it together with the fact that I'm a child of God. That's the princess part, right? Like I am royalty. I am a child of God. I'm a daddy's girl on earth, but I'm also a daddy's girl in the sense that like we have a good, good father. So that is how Permaculture Princess was born. It was born out of this desire to understand the land and how the land can be good for us, but also how our lives can equally be as abundant. So with permaculture now permaculture princess is just my brand like i don't want to say just because it's a big brand i like it like i'm having some fun with it but i'd no longer do landscape design with it but i do i've kind of meshed my personal training and health coaching and everything alongside permaculture princess so it becomes kind of this catch-all for a more abundant lifestyle and a more abundant life is is kind of my tagline there for that so yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, we um from that, I feel like when you asked about homesteading and sustainability, I mean, man, that is such a big place to go. So I love that you said you started a garden this year because I think that's the biggest, that's the first step into it. Is I tell people if anybody wants to get into permaculture, if anybody wants to care at all about growing things, just start observing the land around you, right? Just like step outside and look around for a moment because sometimes we kind of get in our head like this is how I have to do it. This is how I have to make my garden. This is what I have to plant. This is what it needs to look like. 
But if we start just observing what's happening around us, we'll learn, hey, this is where the water flows. Hey, the water kind of collects over here. Uh, maybe I should plant over here because the water's already collecting over here. Oh, maybe it collects a little bit too much over here. Maybe I can move that or distribute that in a different way. And then you start working with the land. I'll give you an example that's easy for me. I have wanted to grow apple trees so badly. I'm, I'm in zone five. I'm in Wisconsin. I've wanted to grow apple trees. We have planted countless apple trees because I just wanted apple trees so badly. And I would get maybe a fruit here and there. Like sometimes they would fruit, some years not. It was really frustrating. Uh, but then I would plant pear trees and I planted peach trees and they grew like crazy. And it could be, sure, the variety, the type, that's fine. But the other thing I started to notice is we have tons of cedar trees on my property and tons of pine trees on my property. Um, and then the apple trees, for some reason, don't really like being around cedar trees. I like I, I'm sure there's something with the soil, something with the wind, something something that somebody can describe in better detail. But just to observe, hey, this type of tree grew much better than this other type of tree. So this is what I'm going to lean into. And there must be a reason that the soil that I'm on is trying to offer me this fruit, right? And I know that, again, that can become kind of a woo-woo idea of that, like the land is trying to give you what it needs. But I truly believe that a carrot grown in your own backyard is going to give you more of the nutrition value and more of the energetic value that you need than a carrot grown, you know, hundreds of miles away from somewhere else. I just, there's something about the soil in your own vicinity that like knows exactly what we yeah. need and how we need it. So yeah, I could go on about that. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I kind of think about, a, a, you know, I've recently uh, heard sometime within the last couple of years but, you know, they talked about local raised honey, right? Um, honey bees from your area because they, they pollinate with the plants and, and, and flowers and that are local to the area that you live in. So if you're suffering with allergies, like uh, honey that's sourced from hundreds of miles away uh, isn't going to help you. But if you're drinking, if you're eating and consuming honey that's from your area, that it actually can help curb your allergies. Uh, kind of the same concept, right? Totally. 100%. That's a, another great example. And all that comes back to for me is that that God wants us to be in nature more. It's what he created. It's how he speaks to us. I think actually, was it maybe it might have been George Hobbs. Somebody recently said that nature is the first gospel, right? Like the 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 message of God is in all of nature and it's what leads people to truth. It's what leads people to eat. And of course, I, I want to refrain from, you know, being labeled pantheistic. Like I'm not saying, um, you know, I can put my hand on a tree and, you know, feel God or connect with God in that way. I, I don't, I don't actually believe God, like the nature is God. I believe that God is living and breathing in everything he created, including us, including the things that he put around us. And he wants us to take a moment to breathe that in, to be around it. And uh, yeah, the soil in our own backyard, the microbes in our own backyard, there's so many times when people are dealing with gut issues, when people are dealing with mm. uh, autoimmune issues, anything like that, if there's any sort of gut dysbiosis, 
you eat something out of your own backyard with a little bit of dirt on it. And I bet like you'll start to get some of those good microbes. Uh, I should also say don't spray your food and then, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you get the idea. The idea is like the closer to the way things were supposed to be is our goal. Like that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to grow food in a way that is sustainable, not only to nature, but to us To Because like we can't be, it's completely impractical to be outside weeding and taking care of a garden all the time. But if we're growing food the way that it was meant to be, we should be tending the garden. And tending the garden is a totally different picture than farming the way that we do today, right? So yeah, that's the that's kind of the message that I try to get across with permaculture and and my my goal for everybody is to just try try planting something, try growing something and see how it goes and then use it like an experiment. I'll tell you this year, literally, I've been growing a garden for years. I have a food forest. I have quote lots on my property like you would think I'm the permaculture princess I know how to do things right so to speak this year my garden was a bust and I'll tell you why it was a total learning moment and Danny my husband called me out so hard I let too much grow in it so I do not like thinning my garden and I love you know when things when volunteers come up I'm like the more the merrier let everything grow and this year I planted too heavily and then volunteers came up and I couldn't bring myself to thin it out. And this is a message. This is a um, a spiritual message as well. I had too much growing in my garden. And I kid you not, as I was going through, like after our first freeze and I was kind of chopping and dropping, I found plants that I didn't even know existed, like full tomato plants, full watermelons, full fruits and vegetables and things that I never knew were in there because it was so thick I couldn't even get to it. And this was a total newbie mistake. Like I just, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, I let it go too wild this year. My, my daughter even was like, mom, next year, could we make it a little bit different? <laughs> Which was her way of saying like, <laughs> this was too wild. And um, Danny told me, he's like, I want you to look at this and notice that this is a little bit like your life. Like if you say yes to too many things, if you say yes yeah. to everything, yes, there's abundance, right? Like there's lots of things growing, but you can't focus on what you're really good at. You can't focus on what your what your purpose is if you just say yes to everything and let everything come in. Um, so my garden was a life lesson this year, and it wasn't as abundant as it has been in years past. And it was because I let too much go. So, um, so yeah, be like I say that to be willing to learn, right? Be willing to make mistakes. Be willing to try something and realize, like, oh, my plants died because I didn't water them enough, or oh, my plants died because I didn't put any nutrients around them or compost anything or take care of them, or hey, these bugs came. Why did this bug come to eat my cabbage? Is there a way that I can keep that bug off without using pesticides? Like, Look at it as an experiment, and then it becomes more fun, in my opinion. So real quick, in talking about like when you have you know bugs coming and eating your your food that you're growing, right? Uh, what are some of the natural ways that you are curbing that activity? Chickens, like, do you guys have, and you guys raise animals too? Do you, are, yes. You're not vegan, right? 
<laughs> no, not anymore. So that's a that's another story. <laughs> I um I was spent ten years as a vegan vegetarian, um, and I went on a very humbling diet change for the sake of my kids' teeth. Actually, my daughter had. 10 cavities the first time she went to the dentist and I was like I'm sorry you must have our x-ray confused with somebody Mixed else <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm like can you check again because there's surely my daughter does not have 10 cavities uh because we were like eating healthy I don't do sugar in my house like you know I was like there's no way um but what I realized was as I went back and studied it was like there's a nutritional deficiency if you're not really as a vegan vegetarian and you can do it it's possible but it's very difficult because you need a high mineral diet you need a high fat diet and you need a low let's see what's the word um the word is escaping me right now but you need no i think not lectins but a something something that's in grains peanut butter um, oh, phytic acid. That's what it is. So you need a low phytic acid diet. And that is in all grains. It's in all nuts. It's in all seeds. It's in everything that a vegan, you know, holds up as high protein sources. Right. And that's what I was yeah. feeding kids all the time. And you can eat those things, but you have to cut down or you have to either soak them, ferment them or pressure cook them like they have to be processed in a heavier way. Um, so. Essentially, I went on this complete diet rehaul, overhaul, and I added raw milk and I added fermented cow liver oil. And we kind of, I started studying Weston A. Price and how mouths used to be completely uh, well formed and taken care of just with, you know, without seeing a dentist, without t brushing their teeth. These mouths used to be perfect. And Weston A. Price studied the different cultures, and he found that there's a diet that is really good for teeth health, tooth health. <laughs> and so that is what we started implementing. And uh, that was a long answer to your question of, are we vegan and vegetarian? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, are, we are not any longer, um, but I will say I, I lift up a plant-based diet for a lot of reasons, for a lot of purposes, uh, cancer being one of them, I think, yes. you know, for healing, plant-based diets are best. When I, anytime you need to detox the body, anytime you need to heal the body, moving toward a totally plant-based diet is your best option. And then anytime you're ready to build up the body, anytime you're you're wanting to build strength and vitality, then that's when we add in those animal products. And for me, um, the books that were really helpful in this, The Maker's Diet by Jordan Rubin, who's also a big permaculture guy. He's amazing. But that book really helped me hone in on like what we were designed to eat. And not only that is what God okay, not I don't want to say okayed us to eat, but like he made he made a a list, not if that's the lack for better terms, of foods we should and shouldn't eat. And I know that there are people be people that say, well, that's Old Testament. We don't have to follow that. Yeah, that's the book of Leviticus, right? I'm just Yes. Yep. The book of Leviticus. So like the like I know like shellfish and uh, you know, uh pork. pork. Mm -hmm. Uh so are you like strict with your do you have like a biblical diet that you try to maintain like that? Like do you stay yep. away from like shellfish and pork products and stuff? Okay. Yep. 
Yeah. So I, yeah, I follow essentially that, uh, that layout in Leviticus where we avoid unclean meat. So like we won't do pork or shrimp or shellfish. Yeah. Lobster a lot of those types of meats. And, you know, for me, what that comes down to is not, again, not like so that I can get to heaven. Right. I think that's where the legalism comes in. Like if I think yeah. that's how I'm earning my salvation, that's the danger. Uh, but what he does give us is these reasons like like here's here's the way that I think it should be. Here's how I've designed your body. And for whatever reason, we're not really told why these unclean meats are not appropriate for our bodies. And of course, science kind of backs that up in the sense that like if you look at pork, um, I think it's every square inch you can even if you like run the pork through uh, just all of the the disinfecting things that they have to do, like there can still be parasites in the pork versus in a cow. If there are parasites, they like they can be gotten rid of, you know, very quickly and very easily. Um, but whereas pork, it's really difficult to to clean that meat. Um, and that's just I mean, so uh, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I got to ask you something here. You, so even with pork, are you even talking about it like thoroughly cooked, like well done at a high high temperature, you know, like yeah. basically like a burning the bacon in the pan? Uh, <laughs> hey, so I, you could still get those parasites. You can still get those parasites. So wow. I, and that's the thing, like I would like. Like, and I think this is fun whenever you talk to somebody who is part of the truth community, right? Like, do the research, right? Like, if it's something that you're interested in, if it's something that, like, intrigues you, um, look into it. Because here's the thing. I fully believe that God does not let us down when we look into something. When we want answers, um, he's going to show us those answers. And that. so while for me, it's not something I've done a ton of research into because I grew up I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, which is more of like the vegan vegetarian side of things. So I already was not eating pork because I was vegetarian. And I wasn't really vegetarian growing up, but like I had that mentality. Um, I, I, <laughs> I'm laughing because we ate pork growing up because my mom was kind of a backslidden Seventh-day Adventist. She'll laugh that I'm saying that, but like she didn't care. <laughs> um, so, so, I, so I ate bacon growing up and pepperoni and all of that stuff. Uh, but when I did start kind of backing off from it, I didn't look into it a ton. It was an easy shift for me. But, you know, yeah. some people might really want to, like, know why. Why is, for example, shrimp and all of the unclean meats, they're all bottom feeders. So they are feeding yeah. off, like, the excrement of, you know, the other ocean animals, oceanic animals. So this is, it seems like, a reasonable request, right? Like sometimes God makes these requests that are really confusing. Like, and I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm like, well, you know, I, I actually, I wanted to interject here because I, I want to see, you know, I, I know you're into truth seeking and I know your uh, dad has you uh, versed in conspiracy, but uh, we've had Scipio Eroditis on the show a couple of times and, and he's, uh, you know, you, you're familiar with Scipio, correct? I, I think I just started listening to your podcast with him. <laughs> that okay, was yeah. So he has his own show now, Dispatches from Reality, but he's been doing, um, you know, three to almost four years now, I think, going up, coming up on four years of research on the graphene and the graphene gels and all the stuff that the nanotechnology inside of the vaccines, right? And he was saying that 
that they are really pushing, you know, you've heard like these alternative meats and, and, uh, even the elites now are, are pushing like bug diets. Are you yes. familiar with this? And like shellfish and what, what Scipio was telling us is that there's a lot of evidence that shows that the genetic makeup, I don't know the science behind it, but the genetic makeup of shellfish and these, and these insects is the perfect stacker for these graphene gels and this nanotechnology to build itself. So that in unison with the, with the injections, you know, uh, is accomplished, is helping, uh, accomplish the goal in the human system. So by avoiding that, you can actually like curb, like I, I really got to go through his expurgent protocol because, you know, there's even thing like shedding and we know like even unvaccinated people can still, you know, through contact with, with other individuals who were, you know, um, can't, can get that stuff you know and uh like what's your what's your thoughts on that (laughs) yeah man i mean there's so there's so many things i I could touch on um first of all i think that that is so amazing i got goosebumps as you said that because right there are so many times where i have said god i don't quite understand why you asked this of me or why you know you've taught me this thing like right like we sometimes have this burden of why do i have this information i don't love <laughs> this and i would love to be part of mainstream i would love to fit in better right um and then it's so fun to see when god does show you why we don't always get the why's right but that is a beautiful example to me of one of those things where God is like, hey, don't eat these meats. And then we're like, but why? Like, it doesn't make sense. He's like, well, they're unclean. Uh, But still, why? We keep asking, we keep asking. And what if, just what if it was now when we have these, you know, nanotechnology particles and he knew that like, we are going to get to the point where I really need you to be able to think clearly and discern clearly. And you're not going to be able to do that if you're eating these foods that cloud your brain and cloud your your ability to see. And that's going to happen if you are, you know, whatever close to this, anybody who's vaccinated, anybody, any of these foods that have been part of the system. Um, but I say that with this very, uh, very trepidatiously because I also don't want people to live in fear because the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I do believe, I do believe that he's going to be able to overcome all of the things that the devil is throwing out. So this vaccine, for sure, this vaccine is, um, it feels like they're showing their hand, right? It feels like the other side is showing way too much of their hand because this vaccine is so clearly dark. (laughs) Like it's, it does. It's not been researched. It's a new technology. It like we just really know very little about it. And when you get into the graphene and you get into the the nanotechnology specifically of this new booster, um, it's terrifying. This it really is terrifying to think of like what they could potentially be doing to the human body, and not only the human body but the psyche, like the the mind of yes. people. And so for me. I mean, what I like, what I keep coming back to is the fact that it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are truth. That's what uh, John six sixty three says. And so, if that's the case, His spirit can transform us. His spirit can live in us. And even if somebody listening to this, somebody's family member listening to this, if somebody has been vaccinated, 
they can still be transformed by that spirit. I I do believe that. Yeah. I fully believe that. His spirit can overcome all of that. But like we're saying, it is a really dangerous road and it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder to see. And I we're seeing that. The juxtaposition between good and evil is getting bigger and bigger. And I think that, you know how like you'll walk, you'll have these conversations with somebody and you'll be like, kind of, you know, tipping your toes in the fact that like you'd like to discuss something more more in depth like you know, what do you know about the Rothschilds? What do you know about uh, <laughs> what do you know about the firmament? You like you kind of want to like dip your toes in and they don't care at all, right? I think that's kind of the the sign of oh, I hate to say this, but like the mind losing its ability to hear the song, right? There is this really cool show Man, what is it called? Oh, The Record Keeper. It was, I don't know if you saw it. You should look it up. If not, you can watch all the episodes for free somewhere. Um, but it's called The Record Keeper. And it was a very short little series based on The Great Controversy. So The Great Controversy was a book by Ellen White, who the Seventh-day Adventist Church considers a prophet. And whether or not you consider her a prophet, she should be read just like C.S. Lewis, just like uh, you know, any any big, great author, uh, Frankie Peretti, like all of these authors who had a way of showing what is going on between darkness and light, she should be read alongside with them. She wrote a book called The Great Controversy, and it is exactly what we're going through in history. And the reason I bring that up is because the record keeper has this scene in the show, and it's a it's it's a like it's a steampunk uh depiction of the battle of the angels like deciding oh wow, that sounds and it's it's very unique it's very well done but there's this scene where the one of the angels who is deciding whether or not to go with the third that gets cast out or not he's kind of in between making this decision of whether to follow lucifer or whether to stay with god he puts his hand on this rock wall trying to hear the song and it's this song that you know fills the world it's the song that fills all of nature because god's song is in everything and he can't hear the song anymore and it like chokes me up thinking about it because that's what i believe this vaccine is doing is it's numbing uh. it's like numbing people's ability to hear that still small voice and like i said it doesn't make it impossible because god is so good and he's bigger than all of this but what i find is happening is like the media the football the movies the 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 constant like all of the toxins that we get in our food all of the toxins we get in the emfs all of it is numbing our ability to hear that song and so i think i mean that's the unscientific way of saying it but but that's what I that's what I believe that is happening right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Andrea, if you've actually noticed since you've been doing the permaculture and eating clean and and taking these breaks that if you'd be, you know, more receptive to hearing the voice. Mm. Yeah, I I really do believe that. First of all, here's the thing. God seeks us. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. I want to make that so clear because I think that every time, um, every time I talk about steps or disciplines, right, maybe it becomes a legalism thing. Like, oh, 
are you earning your faith? No, like that it's it's just impossible. God did everything. Jesus paid it all, and it's only through faith in him that we get anywhere. With that being said, I do believe that we can set up our situation in a way that allows us to hear from him better. So he's trying. He's doing everything he can to get our attention and we are distracted most of the time like whether it's with media whether it's with our own thoughts our own anxiety right like i talked about this on george hobbs podcast but these types of things that come at us are demons i believe that like when we talk about stress and anxiety getting us that is not from god none of that is from god so yeah so these are the things that we fight on a daily basis. And if that's the case, how do we make our minds able to hear from God? Well, I think a really good start is being in nature because that's his creation. Getting outside, being in nature, literally gazing up at the sunshine, right? Gazing at like, I mean, don't look straight into it maybe, but like kind of that direction. <laughs> no glasses, being in the sunlight, being in the forest, forest bathing, I am a loony solar Sabbath keeper, so I keep my calendar based on the lunar cycle. And even that, like, I've been going out and looking up at the moon. Like, what is the moon doing? What are the stars doing? Just being in nature. And then the other thing is, is reading the word, actually opening it up, looking at the word of God. That's another way to hear from him. And I mean, there's a book called The Celebration of Discipline by... Oh man. I'll do it for you. Thank you. <laughs> His name is escaping me, but it's called The Celebration of Oh, Richard Foster. That's what it is. Richard Foster wrote The Celebration of Discipline and it is hands down the book that I want I like I would love everybody to read that book because it goes through the disciplines that the Bible talks about for bringing ourselves closer and making us more able to hear his voice. And it's things like fasting, which, I mean, it's become popular in our culture because it's healthy, right? But like, there is something spiritual to giving up food for just whatever period of time or even anything. Honestly, we've talked about, we talked about social media before we jumped on here. Fasting from social media is a great opportunity for saying, hey, this is something I typically do. I'm going to take a break from it. I'm going to shut it all down. I'm going to take it all off my phone. And I'm going to use that time that I would usually be on social media to open my Bible, to take a walk, to cultivate the relationships that maybe I've been missing out on. Um, yeah, I think that book is a, is a great tool. I think I got way off topic. I can't remember what question <laughs> I was answering, but... Something. Oh, yeah. Some at some point, I was going to answer the question of how to keep bugs off of plants. I don't know when that. <laughs> no, you're you're good. We're we're beyond that now. You know, I do think I, I'm totally with you. Um, Alex kind of lives in in a smaller town, but he's near Calgary. But you know, Canada's very a lot of open space and a lot of open land. What you guys only got? How many people in, in all of Canada? Thirty million. Uh, Thirty thirty eight million. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty eight million, and they got all that open land, right? And that's funny, you know, they, they would talk about, you know, uh, oh, have us thinking that we're running out of food. It's like, look at all this open land, look at all this nature, look at all these animals, look at all these things that exist, look at all this stuff that we could be doing. You know, that's why we know it's, 
it, it's a hoax. It's a, it's fear tactics, right? And it's making people believe that they have to be reliant on the government and they have to be reliant on the chain, the, 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 the food supply that the chain of, you know, the food chain that, that delivers our food to us. And I think that's, what's so important about learning safe self-sustainability, but like for myself, I live in the city, right? It's not the hugest city, but it's still a city, you know, um, 600,000 people or so here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, what, what advice do you have for somebody that doesn't live in a rural environment such as yourself or Alex, and you have access to more land where you can cultivate this food? What would you say to somebody who just has, you know, um, you know, a 10 foot by 10 foot little backyard with a, maybe little small area of, of, uh, uh, dirt or grass, you know, um, what's something that somebody in these environments can do to, uh, be self-sustainable and also touch a little bit on, uh, like food preservation and, and what kind of foods you should, you should be having, you know, especially for people that live in, in more of a city environment. So, uh, they would know that they could be, uh, feed their family, you know, if a crisis came. Yeah. So lots of good questions. I think I'll start with what, uh, like the free things, right? So as a personal trainer and a health coach, one of the things that I'm always doing is kind of clearing the table for my clients. One of my favorite things to do is to take everything off the table and say, let's start with this. And once you have this habit, let's stack another habit, right? Habit stacking. So these are the things I want you to start with. And then I once you have these, then we'll add something later. And the reason I start like that is because if I give too many things all at once, it becomes overwhelming and it becomes impossible. And it, like, oh, Andrea, of course, she lives on this acreage and she can get out and be in nature. And so I want to back backtrack and say, let's start with what everybody can do. And that is wake up to see the sunrise. Um, it's That's such a simple tool and it's so amazing for our circadian rhythm. It's so amazing for our heart rate. It's so ama amazing for just our mental state to just be looking at the sun when it's coming up. There, I like, don't ask me the science. It's somewhere there. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but it is amazing. There's something to it. There's something to that light, especially the morning light specifically, like as close to sunrise as you can get. Uh, it's like a multivitamin. In fact, our um, I think our mitochondria is fed one third, like I think one third of the nutrients that we need for our mitochondria, which so our mitochondria is our energy cell, right? That's where all of our energy is sustained and made and everything in our body. So the mitochondria lives on one third of its nutrition or energy comes from food sources. Okay. So we need food to feed our mitochondria two-thirds of the energy for our mitochondria comes from light. We need light that badly. We need energy to literally sustain our bodies. We need that light. Um, and that's why like, there's so many times where, I mean, the Bible is full of you know, focusing on light, uh, but the, the, we are told that God or that Jesus is the light of the world. So like mm -hmm. something about looking to the light. And I always tell people, especially truth seekers, just keep looking for light. It, like God will never be in the darkness. Like if, if he will never be in this places of like 
confusion and anxiety and stress, he's in the light. So if you are like if you're there, it doesn't mean that he's not with you. It means like he's pulling you out of that because he doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to stay in darkness. He wants you to be in the light. So okay, that was like the the first thing when you say you're in a city, like everybody can see the sunrise. Even if you're in an apartment building, like walk outside. That's okay. Uh So the other thing is like grounding. Here's the other free thing. And whether it's your land or the park land or some other land, um, putting your bare feet on the ground is also really, really good. The, like the, the frequency that the earth gives off is the perfect frequency for our bodies to take in. And it has amazing science on uh, like being able to reduce blood clots, being able to reduce anxiety, being able to reduce inflammation. All of these things. Uh, my dad is a really good example of somebody who refuses to take part in the medical system. Uh, like I can be kind of like I can kind of toe the line. Like oh, sometimes you know there's a place for Western medicine. Not my dad. My dad is like, <laughs> um, they wanted him. Dude, to- I'm with him. I'm like, it has to be. It has to be like a gunshot wound or a, <laughs> or a broken bone or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Other than that, like I'm good. I'll figure it out on my own. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad totally, totally is uh, the same. And in fact, he had a gunshot wound. That's the only time that he was. What? <laughs> Your dad had a gunshot wound. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell this story. What, what happened? So many, so many good stories. Um, My dad was, my dad owns property in the Milwaukee area. And he was in the middle of um, a gang shootout is essentially what happened. And a bullet ricocheted and <laughs> And um, I was there, I was inside and I remember him running inside and telling everybody to get down and the way the bullet hit and this, I'm going to laugh because if you saw my dad, my dad has, he's a big guy, he's 6'4", he's a strong guy, but he has thin legs, <laughs> like, you know, skinny legs, I'll tell him. And uh, <laughs> have his, uh, yeah, leg day, right? So his calves... <laughs> It went in such a way that it literally just missed every bone, every ligament, everything. I don't even know how, but like it hit through his calf. It went in one side and out the other in such a perfect way that like he literally just had to heal from. They had to, the the bullet wasn't there. They didn't have to take it out or anything. Um, they, they He just had to heal from the wound itself and nothing else was damaged, which is. Wow, totally a miracle. Yeah. yeah, a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was amazing. But so I so I say that Yeah, I'm sorry. I I had to when you say my dad took a gunshot wound, I was like, hold up, hold up. You can continue yeah. on now. I had to hear it. It's okay. I'll tell you. Drop that one on us and then walk away from it. Just can't. He had to tell that story. Sorry, Pops. Totally. He'll he'll be laughing about that. But he um so I, w- I was bringing that up in the fact that he had blood clots right around the time COVID was going around, which was a big thing, you know, for COVID-19. Uh, the the blood clots, I, for whatever reason, I'm not sure, I didn't understand why it was being caused or like what exactly was going on. But my dad had two really bad ones and they wanted him to go on blood thinners and he like just really did not want to do the blood thinners. So he, so we researched, I use essential oils. So like we figured out the essential oils, we figured out the diet, we figured out all the things. And there is good research to show that grounding uh, can reduce blood clots and can, you know, thin the blood in the, in a really healthy way. So that was part of his protocol. Like you've got to put your bare feet on the earth every day, winter, summer, spring, fall, it doesn't matter. 
So um, and he is he is years out or yeah, years out from that because that was 2020 and it's 2023 and he's had a few more checks and they have all of the um, blood clots have dissolved. He's doing really well with that. Um, so yeah, the so those are some of like the things that you can do in a small space. Um, just taking care of taking care to look around and know notice the small things you can do. Um, as far as uh, so like getting fresh air is really, really good. And if you have a small garden plot, I mean, it comes down to figuring out what your family eats, right? Like, I think that that's really important. Don't grow tomato plants if your family doesn't like tomatoes. That like it makes no sense. But if you want to make a whole bunch of tomato sauce, like if that's something they'll eat, then of course, try growing that certain type of that variety of tomato. Um, so yeah, I think grow something that your family will like. I think that's a huge thing, especially if you have kids. If you have kids that are picky eaters, they love playing in the garden and they will usually eat the things that are grown. So if you want to grow some carrots, my car- my kids literally pull carrots yeah. out of the ground and are eating carrots, dirt on them and all. And I'm like, well, it's okay. <laughs> that's fine. So grow things that they'll eat. And if you don't have enough space to grow your food, then you like start doing your research on the farmers markets or the farmers that you get yes. with or get involved with because that's another way to support permaculture and sustainability is support the people who are doing it okay so if you can't do it on your property find somebody who is and can you um is there a co-op there or is there a, a share program of some sort uh, we go to a farm near us for our our raw milk and our you know beef or different things that we'll get uh, because I like if when I did start eating meat I was really picky about where I got it so I'm not I would rather be vegetarian than to eat uh, meat that Walmart I don't meat right like I don't know where it came from which I understand like the carnivore diet has everybody convinced that all meat is fine and all meat is good but I just am not. So like I I'm I don't want to go either way. I don't want to eat bugs. I don't want to eat what they're like the like homemade meat that they're trying to get us to eat. But I also don't want to eat the the farmed animals that the government is overseeing as well. So like there's a happy medium and and it is more expensive, right? So so figuring out how to budget for that, um, give yourself grace. Find the foods that are important to you to to pick up in that way and then uh like be willing to be willing to take steps baby steps even if it's not like okay i'm going to overhaul everything and make everything grass-fed beef and organic um just take a couple steps at a time find something i say i say start with the whole foods start with the meats uh then move into your local vegetables and here's the other thing it's okay if we're not eating quite as much, I think everybody wants to like fill yes. up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think we can handle um, taking care of our portions, like eating foods that nourish us. Because when you eat foods that nourish you, and if it's high quality butter and high quality meat and high quality vegetables and some sourdough bread, and then go ahead and lather the butter on, like you're going to fill up if it's quality food. That's what I believe. Yeah. I uh I wanted to ask you about the raw milk thing because uh, I'm lactose intolerant. So if I drink regular milk, man, it just tears me up. So I've been buying the lactose free milk. 
Uh, but like, what about raw milk? Like, would I be able to drink that at being lactose intolerant and, and, and give me some of the, like the best benefits of raw milk and, and what's the flavor like? Is it different? <laughs> no. So I, I think it's super creamy. It's super good. Uh, I, again, I came from 10 years of doing the vegan thing. So it took me a little bit to come into raw milk. Uh, but the, the benefits are huge for the gut. That's like the big thing that I understand with the raw milk. And so that's where I would, I would experiment with yourself and maybe like, if you can try some, uh, I, it does happen. I, I do hear a lot of people that are lactose intolerant that can handle the raw milk. Uh, and the reason is, is because it's a whole food and your body recognizes it. Whereas the milk that has been pasteurized, that's sold in these stores, our bodies don't recognize that as a whole food anymore. It recognizes that as a processed food. So I like, I hate to say it, but it's similar as these processed and refined the impossible burger or these meats that have been made in the factory. Similarly, like when we pasteurize milk, we make that unrecognizable to our system. So raw milk is the the full form with the good bacteria that helps have rehabilitate our gut so that it can handle the milk protein. Now, I came from the perspective, like I said, when I was growing up, I had, or at least, you know, a while back, I had this uh, vegan mentality, which was you want to avoid milk. Milk is for baby cows and it puts weight yeah. on baby cows and it's going to put weight on us. Now I have the mentality of like in the right amount it's really good for us, right? Like, and I think there's so many things like that where if we uh, overindulge, yeah, it's not going to be great for us. But if we have a cup of milk or if we have some milk with some granola or whatever it is, I think that that can be really good for our gut health. And my kids have seen the benefit of it. My husband literally just said the other day, we are, let's see, 20, we're three years into adding animal products back into our diet. And I have been kind of hemming and hawing about it because I I like I, I'm one of those people that like plant based eating. I preferred that in some ways, and yet the adding meat back in, I've noticed I've noticed gains at the gym. Like my CrossFit workouts yeah. are easier. I can lift a little bit heavier. Um, my energy is up. And my husband just told me he's like I feel energized when I wake up in the morning. And he's like I think it's the diet change. You know, there's obviously tons of things that we put into practice, but uh, adding animal products back in was a big shift. And I have to say, we definitely feel the vitality in it. Yeah. And just like you say, I think everything in moderation, right? And just for me personally, like some of the things that you talk about, um, I need to do the grounding thing. I really need to start doing that. I have been sun gazing though, actually. And I just recently started this. And I'm not, like you say, don't stare directly into the sun, but I kind of focus on the bottom of the sun and the rays coming off of it. And I kind of squint my eyes and just stare it into the bottom beams of light coming off the sun, at, you know, for like, you know, two to five minutes at a time when I'm at work and, and it's not busy and I have a moment to go outside, you know, and I, I really do believe that I, 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 I feel this, uh, the positive effects, it just has a positive effect on your mind, right? And uh, so uh, things like that. And then uh, another thing that you talk about that, that I have been doing is just learning to snack healthy, right? And instead of eat these huge portions and then, and then go without food for long periods of time and then eat another huge portion, 
is like, I used to wake up in the morning, eat a giant bowl of cereal or eat like a bacon and egg sandwich, you know, and, and, you know, hash browns or whatever, you know, now it's like a, a cup of yogurt and a banana. And instead of taking unhealthy snacks to work, especially when I worked on the ambulance, oh my gosh, we ate so horribly. Like it was always like circle <laughs> K food all the time. Right. But now it's like, instead of taking a bag of Doritos, take a, take a, a small stack with almonds, you know, uh, instead of taking, you know, um, cinnamon buns, take an apple, you know, instead of taking Cokes, drink a seltzer water or, or green tea, you know, and it's just learning to snack healthy and then learning that when you, when you do snack, you're not so hungry and then you don't have to eat as much to, you know, to fulfill yourself and, 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 you know, not have to scarf down. And, and I've noticed, you know, you eat these big, heavy meals. What does it make you want to do? It makes you want to go take a nap. Right. But if you eat healthy food, healthy fuel, yeah, you might get, you might get this, you know, um, dopamine rush from eating a fast food hamburger and drinking a Coke. And it might give you like a little caffeine boost, but the energy wears off very quickly. If you eat these healthy foods, I've noticed it's not these high energy spikes, but it's longer lasting, sustaining energy. And I, I've really, you know, I've really been trying to do this with my kids and I'm trying to stress it to the grandparents too. It's like, Hey, I don't want my kids eating this fast food anymore. Every once in a while, it's a treat, but I definitely avoid McDonald's. But like, you know, I do let them have a treat every now and then, but you know, like very sparingly, rarely eat fast food, you know, and I'm, I, I've been trying to make conscious choices like that. And you, you can tell the difference. Yeah, it's one. Yeah, it's 100% a mind game, right? It's it's little steps, little steps in the right direction. And with all of my clients, I say the same thing. Like I am not interested in an overhaul change. I'm interested in one thing at a time. And I'll tell you what I like. I literally start, start everybody the exact same way. We start with our mornings. We start our mornings with sun gazing, right? Get outside. I start with a quart of warm lemon water. So I tell all my clients, I have one client in particular who um, doesn't like handle the lemon very well. So she does a quart of warm tea. So, and the reason it's warm is because it jumpstarts your metabolism. It kickstarts your body and your body can handle warm better than cold or hot, which both of the, like whether it's cold or hot, your body needs to regulate that. So it needs to do something. Whereas warm just fills your cells. It's a, very, it's a structured water. So it's filling your body. It's starting your metabolism. It's a great way to start your day. And it also hydrates you right away, first thing in the morning. Um, and that can be, so like these, the, I, the reason I give that example is like, once you have that, you're like, oh, I have started my day well. Now, what can, what else can I do? Is it a workout? Is it devotions? Is it, uh, you know, taking a walk outside? Is it going through and figuring out our breakfast? Like, what are we going to eat for breakfast? Like, once you have one great healthy thing done, it's easier to stack other healthy things on top of that. Um, so yeah, you're making the right, uh, you're making the right changes. I, I, for one, am not a huge snacker, I will say, but I love that concept of like, just finding replacements for what you're doing. That's the first step mm. at what you're doing and say, how can I replace this with something just a, like a little bit different? Um, for me, it's like one of the big things that I like to, to emphasize is eating a really good breakfast, eating a like pretty good lunch and a pretty like good dinner if you're like our age we're younger so like 
when you get older, when when you're in like your 60s, 70s, honestly, you can go with less meals. Like two meals a day is fine for when you're aging or older. Um, those of us kind of in our prime of life, I'll say three meals a day is really good. But I always tell people if you can stop eating at least four to five hours before bedtime, that's ideal. And it's not always mm. possible. I get it. But like if you can have your body be done digesting food before you go to bed, your body will sleep better. You'll get better sleep, but you'll also not have essentially your digestive system shuts down when you go to bed, which is good. Like we want our we want our whole body to rest. But if you have food still in the digestive tract, it just ferments. And that's where we yeah. get all of our stomach ulcers and we get our like this our gut dysbiosis. Everything that goes on wrong in the gut is usually from like a bad fermented food and bad bacteria in there. So um yeah, I mean I like I'm getting into my favorite health tips, but uh I think that's because you talked about just making these steps, making these single changes, and there can be a lot. There's I mean, we could cover uh, all kinds of things that we could make habit shifts and habit changes with. But you're right. If you can kind of put the blinders on and say, I'm going to pick one thing. Maybe it's sun gazing since we've talked about that a few times. And if you already are doing that, like pick the next thing and just again, yeah, <laughs> find something here and there that can change. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I did want to bring Alex into this because, you know, I, I did want to mention something because, uh, but, you know, we're getting, we're running out of time, man. Time's flying off the clock, but, uh, you know, uh, it's okay if we run a little bit over, but I did want to bring this up because I know Alex, you know, uh, he lost his mom to cancer, you know, and, and you said, I, I believe it was your mother and your husband had cancer, right? Um, one of the things that I've been doing as well is trying to eliminate like white sugar, right? Like, you, that this stuff is horrible, right? Sugars, carbohydrates that turn into sugars. That that's where cancer really thrives is in this acidic state, right? So I've been really looking into getting your pH balance right for your body, right? And I think that you know if your body's uh, leaning more into the alkaline, that those cancer cells can't thrive in this alkalitic state, right? They thrive in an acidic state. So can you talk to us a little bit of like how you did this? Because I know, and, and I'll bring Alex in, and maybe he wants to has a specific question for you, but like, um, like what, what was so successful with, with healing your mom and, and your husband from, from cancer? What, like what really, what was the foundational beginning and, and what really led to this homeopathic, uh, you know, diet based way of combating the cancer? Yeah. So I will say this, and I know it's not the answer that anybody wants to hear, but every single cancer is different. And I think that that's why our modern way of treating it is so difficult because we have literally, like, we literally have one way of treating it. We um, burn it, we destroy it, you know, like, so like we do radiation and we do chemo. Those are, that's, that's exactly how modern medicine treats cancer and they use maybe like two or maybe three different varieties of chemo but they're essentially the same type of chemo uh options and my husband actually did not do a natural cancer therapy he did chemo right. and radiation so so sorry if that was confusing my husband before we met he was 26 when he was diagnosed with cancer um he had non-hodgkin's lymphoma and that is the cancer that is really related to glyphosate and GMOs and like 
what's going on with our food. So, I mean, yeah. how he got it, how well, like we'll never know, but our our body is always dealing with cancer, right? Like you and I, everybody is probably walking around with cancer cells, but what happens is our body uh, destroys them because that's what they do to cells that are abnormal, or at least that's what they should do for cells that are abnormal. Um, Lord have mercy. Can I also just pause? And I jumped right into this before I said, Alex, I am very sorry for your experience and my heart. Um, I just got like hit in the in the stomach with that, that I started answering before I mentioned that. I'm very sorry for your experience because that um, it's heavy and it's dark and I'm wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, what my mom went through, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy and watching the medical system basically torture her and starve her to death. And mm. like her death was not a good death by any means. It was, I, I'm lucky that I don't live in the same city, but just hearing my sister and my dad, what they went through watching that. I mean, if this episode can help anybody find something an alternative because i have no faith in chemo or radiation because what what those things did to my mom i mean they, yeah they might have um lengthened her life but the last probably two years of the quality of her life was so bad it was it worth even lengthening mm. i am i'm so sorry to hear that and you're right it's uh the way our culture has decided to handle cancer is very frustrating and like you said, if somebody could gain something from this, this is what I will leave um, your audience with, is there are lots of different natural ways to treat cancer. The problem is, is our bodies want to heal. I shouldn't say the problem is. The good news is our bodies want to heal. Our bodies do desire healing. And so the the healing protocol I did with my aunt who has passed since then, but she the, the healing protocol we were doing uh, was the Gerson therapy. And she did have what I call a really great quality of life. She um, she was doing normal life and she had chosen this system. And the Gerson therapy is a therapy that works on a lot of different cancers. The idea behind it is that you're giving your body the best pH, the best place, the alkaline system to heal. And you do that by overdosing it with nutrition, but making it very easy to digest. So the Gerson therapy is big on juicing. We did like 14 fresh juices a day, specific types of juices. Uh, we did like very like brothy type vegetable soups, things that were very easy to digest. There were things on the list that she could not eat that are really healthy foods, but just because they are hard to digest, they were not on the list. So, for example, like strawberries and blueberries, really good foods, but they're hard for our bodies to digest. So they were not included on the things that she could eat. Um, similarly, like any types of really sugary, high carb foods, not allowed uh, on the Gerson therapy. No sugar at all, really, but like, um, you know, no pasta, no grains, no breads, that sort of thing. But um, the Gerson therapy also included coffee enemas and uh, a couple other specific pieces that were part of that. But I just give that example to say this. There is a book called Knockout, I think it's by Suzanne Summers, which I know doesn't sound like the person you want to be <laughs> advice, but she wrote a book where she interviewed lot 
lots of different doctors and all of their natural therapies that they were doing. And the book was so eye-opening to me because what it helped me realize was that there's not this one magical cure for cancer because cancer is not one thing. It's, you know, it can be different forms. It can take different uh, forms in the body depending on where it is in the body and what sort of cancer it is. So that book helped me realize like if you have lymphoma, you're going to treat that different than if you have leukemia. If you're going to treat that different than, you know, uh, you know, something on your skin versus something that's internal, like everything is going to be treated differently based on where it is and what it is. And that book was good for that. Um, there is a book called Cancer Free with Food. I should I could I need to double check the title of that. But there is absolutely a better way of eating to heal from cancer. Of course, of course, we know these foods that can protect us. You know, they call them antioxidants. So that's cancer fighting foods. Like, so there are lots mm -hmm. of that we can eat as um, kind of a preventative. But then there's even a further, more strict version of plant-based eating for healing cancer. Um, so it can be done. It is a journey. Uh, and what I tell people is you have to want the treatment plan you choose. So let's say let's say today you have somebody in your life that is dealing with cancer. You can give them the information, but you cannot force them to choose the protocol or the treatment that you want them to take, right? I mean, that's with anything, but especially when it comes to healing because such a big part of healing is belief. And if you believe yes. that you can be healed in whatever protocol you've decided, that is like that. I mean, that is truly the biggest thing. And so almost like especially if you have somebody in your life that has decided to go the chemotherapy and radiation route, what I always uh, advise people is come alongside them to support them in that. And that can be there's a lot of essential oils that can help. Even with chemo and radiation, there's a lot of nutrition changes that can help with chemo and radiation. So there's a lot of things people can do, even if they decide to go the Western medical route. Of course, I'm the same as you. Like my husband and I, because my husband is, let's see, he just turned 38. So like over 10 years in remission, which is praise God, that's amazing. Um, he, because he has had cancer, We've had the conversation often about what what we would do if it came back. What would, how would we present that? How would we go through that? We feel like we kind of have a team. We have an herbalist that's a really good friend of ours, and an acupuncturist who's a really good friend of ours, and some people in our circle that have really good, um, almost clinical abilities with their natural practices. And so those are who we we would go to. But I think it's important to kind of have an idea of like, what would you do? What would you commit to if you had to make these changes? And Raul brought it up, like sugar is a huge commitment. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have said no more refined or processed sugar and it lasts for like a month and then and then it's back somehow or like I'm giving, I'm making uh you know, changes here or there, like allowing things here and there. And if we commit, if we decide, hey, this is the protocol I'm going to use, um, belief in that system and committing to that system are the biggest things for success. That's my opinion on that. 
Um, one other book I'll recommend is, uh, I think it's called Cancer and Mindset. Can't, uh, I'll have to look, but it's by Brandon LaGreca. Cancer, I think it's called Cancer and Mindset. And that talks a lot about the belief side of things where, and I remember my aunt telling me, she's like, now that I have decided to go with the Gerson therapy, one of the things that I want you to be very careful of is not bringing me any other therapies. She's like, I don't want to know about anything else. And, and I like, you know, some people do, some people want to know about all the things, but she, she was very clear. She was like, since I've decided to go with this therapy, I don't want to know about all the other options. I just want to focus and commit and practice visualizing success with this. Um, I was going to say one of the things that drove me nuts and during my five stages of grief was uh, reminiscing on how the doctor told my mom that uh, her cancer was incurable and that it would come back. I mean, what what kind of seed is that to plant in someone's mind? And of course, my mom believed it. Mm. And and sure enough, it it came back. But uh, honestly, the belief thing is such a, I, I think that's one of the number one things. Like, I just don't understand what kind of doctor plants that kind of seed in, in someone's mind. Yeah, no, that's, it's evil. I mean, it's, it's really not like if doctors only knew the power that their words had with people yes. there's tons of examples of that, you know, there's tons of examples where people would say, oh, this tumor is going to take somebody's life. And then it did. And then they'd find out like, oh, that tumor didn't actually exist. Right. Like, uh, that it really is. I, I'll give you even like, and this is kind of a funny aside. Uh, but my dad, when I was growing up, he tricked me into being good at math and the reason i know this is because i was talking to my cousin like later in life and i told her or she was telling me that uh she used something that my dad told her about you know helping her kids in math and this and that and i was like what do you mean something my dad told you and she said yeah well you almost failed out of math or they wanted to keep you back in first grade because you weren't understanding some of the math concepts or second grade i don't know some some of the like elementary school, they wanted to keep me back a year. And I was like, what are you talking about? I love math. I'm really good at math. Like I was always in advanced math. I was in like, you know, the, all the AP classes, all this stuff. I was in mathletes. Like I did. I loved math. And she was like, oh, no, you were not good at it. And I had to call my dad. And it was so funny because he like almost forgot about it. But what happened was I was literally going to be kept back a year because I could not get the math concepts. And he started working with me and working with me. And he would say, wow, you're so good at this. Like you're picking this up so well. Like you're my math girl. You're you're so, you know, you're so brilliant. And he would tell me this over and over. And I started to believe that so much so yeah. that I became like I became the girl in school that was really good at math. And I always use that as an example because our words are so important. And it like I really like fake it till you make it. I know people laugh about that, but it is a really That's true. If you recognize who God sees you as and who you're like the people in your life that lift you up and think good things about you and say good things about you, like if you can focus on that and those beliefs, like <sighs> that'll get you everywhere, even in mathletes. <laughs> This is this is very big and it and it really hits my heart because you know, I think all of us as parents too, uh, you know, I, I'm guilty of it. You know, you get frustrated with your child or you say something that's hurtful to them, you know. And I'm really been trying to, 
incorporate, you know, a positivity and praise over, you know, uh, frustration and, 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 la- and lash outs, you know, with negative connotation, you know, and I think it really is, you know, it's very important that we instill this in our children, that they become, uh, self-confident and they learn to love themselves and, and, and experience that, that, you know, um, gracious love that, a, that a parent has. And, and we learn that from, from Jesus, right? He teaches us and, and we need to be more consciously aware of like what we're feeding our kids spiritually and the things that we say to them, you know, and I, I really need to take my own advice, but, uh, you know, I, I think it is important and it is important what we feed our minds and the things that we say, they do have a big impact. And I think that if you have the will inside of you to survive any situation, whether you're facing an illness or you're facing, you know, any trauma in your life, any situation, it's all perspective and how you react to it. And it's really, I've really been trying to just maintain a high level of positivity, even when hardships come and remain gracious through those hardships. Because I realized like one of my friends told me, he's like, yeah, well, you're silver, but God wants to refine you into gold, you know, and we have to go through a fire and a purification process to, to do that sometimes. So sometimes life, life is hard. And there's a lot of our listeners out there struggling with all kinds of things, you know, and I, I myself struggle with things and, and demons from my past, but, uh, really I I'm grateful to my brothers and I'm grateful to individuals like you who come on our podcast and share these messages of light and positivity because it's really important people man just uh watch your thoughts and watch what you say because it really does have an effect on on the things that happen in your life Mm. yeah thank you for saying that i think you know the the verse that always comes to mind is ephesians 6 12 and it says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against powers against principalities against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places and that verse is something i want to keep front of mind because like you said our words matter because they are spiritual like they are part of this battle that we are facing on a day-to-day basis and so if we are cognizant of what thoughts are coming in and out and i know that meditation can get kind of a bad rap in like the new age world and i and i am i am a yoga like instructor i always say that like i don't i kind of battle between whether um i should be well i know for sure that i shouldn't be doing yoga but like i do i teach mobility and yoga like pilates all of these things and i will teach people to meditate. And I'm really careful about the way that I speak those words and how I use them. Um, And I use scripture when I'm saying that. But like you said, being aware of the thoughts that are coming in and the thoughts that are going out, because our thoughts come from one of two places. You know, everybody wants to say they're an individual and that they're the only ones that like, oh, I, you know, this is an original thought. There's no such thing. They come from God or heavenly places or they come from the enemy the enemy of our souls and so every single thought that comes into our head is when we start to realize like it's from one of those places it changes the game because not only can we meditate on what is good true pure beautiful whatever is praiseworthy like philippians 4 8 says yes we can meditate on those good things but here's the other thing it gives 
people around us grace. Because when somebody around you is speaking uh, untruths or speaking even like like rudely, like even if like with a bad energy, you've been around people that just have like a bad energy, right? That's not them. Like you don't have to be mad at them. You don't have to hate them. They have a demon. And I'm not saying, oh, they're possessed. Like I think that's a different verbiage that like I'm not trying to say that. But that person, if that person is spewing anger or frustration or just even like doubt, mm-hmm. that's not that's not from God. That is that's yeah. so you don't have to be mad at that person. You don't have to like name call. We don't have to hate. We don't have to do any of that because like that's not that person. God loves that human being. Um, that person is deceived and that person is holding on to thoughts that are not from God. So. Yeah, I hate the sin, love the sinner, right? Right. Um, we are running out of time, but I know uh, I'm going to completely pivot right here and Alice can jump in. But I did want to ask you because I know you're a flat earther. You've been on flat earth files and you made some tremendous points. And I think that's what's also important about some of the subject matter that we talk about on shows like this, because people like it really the shape of the matter, the shape of the world really doesn't matter. What's more important is exposing the lie because it's behind the lie that they feed, you know, all these agendas and all these fears to us, right? You know, fear of being struck by a meteor, fear of nuclear war, fear of the alien invading, you know, um, all this stuff, right? But when you know the truth and when you find the truth and when God reveals these truths to you, it brings us this self, you know, worthiness. We know that we were divinely created. We know that he's right there above us. Like we feel more connected. And I think that's why they do this right to keep us from connecting with our, you know, our creator, you know? So, uh, in saying that I did want to end it on this note because I got totally tickled. I love the, uh, the way you talk about your dad and, uh, you know, I know he got you into all this stuff and I got a kick of you talking, uh, about how he used to hand out truth DVDs that he would make. And like, <laughs> your dad seems like such a cool dude. I would love to meet that guy. Uh, oh, but, uh, yeah. Just, just tell us a little bit about your, how long have you been a flat earther and, uh, like how passionate are you about truth seeking and, and give us a couple of flat earth bullets, silver bullets that you have. (laughs) Okay. Um, I, I would call myself a reluctant flat earther. I am one of those people that like, like kind of came in here a little bit pouty, like, okay, I can't disprove you. I like, I guess I have to join you kind of, a, <laughs> kind of an attitude. Um, so I was not like, like my dad was excited. Like when he came onto this, he was like, this changes everything. This is so exciting. Yeah. And uh, my husband and I were like, uh oh, like what happened to my dad? <laughs> started looking into it. And yeah, my dad's, my dad's journey of conspiracies totally started with, um, you know, evolution versus creation and Kent Hoven. And then it went into September 11th, you know, like he started understanding that and like understanding what's going on in society and what's going on in our government. And uh, then actually, like probably the Trinity debate was probably one of like the big things that like kind of got us really moving away from like organized religion and what everybody else was, quote, teaching and the system and some of these ideologies. And so then when my dad came onto Flat Earth, originally I kind of thought like this is just a distraction, right? Like because our goal should be to know him and to make him known. 
And by him, I mean Yahweh, the only true God, you know? So for me, at first, the flat earth was a distraction. Uh, Like, I just felt like it was was a tool the enemy was using in the beginning. I really, like, I pushed against it, and I pushed against it hard. And not because I didn't believe it, but because I didn't feel like it was worthwhile. I was like, why does it matter? Like, it doesn't, you know, this is not important. This is not important to salvation. And then what really brought me around was realizing how nature supports it and how if you start to understand the flat earth, you start to understand a designer, right? You start to understand an architect. You start to understand this this father in heaven that, you know, oversees everything and he and he is overseeing it, but also like creating it. And it like I just get this picture of of a father who's proud of his work, right? Like that's why he keeps fighting for us because he doesn't he doesn't just want to let us go. He he worked really hard on us. Like he we were made in his image. Like, and that to me is what brought the flat earth to like reality. And uh so so yeah, I think like some of the points that came up, I mean, of course there's all the science points, but I didn't really understand Oops, sorry. I didn't really understand the like the science of the globe either, right? So like if I didn't understand the science of the globe, I wasn't going to like be super into the science of the flat earth. But what I do love is some of these these stories of people trying to find truth. And that's what really resonated with me. Andrea Barnes is one of them. She was like from the 60s. Like where she was from a while back. I should know this because I talked about it on George's podcast, but I love her story. She was just a woman that did not believe in the flat earth and, or I mean, sorry, she did not believe in the globe, the geocentric. Uh, so she, uh, the was she the one that took off on the, the snowmobile or something? Yes. Yeah. Her story yes, okay. <laughs> and, um, and she, she took pictures and then the like person who found her camera accidentally, you know, exposed her film to the light. And so they were, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just wild. Um, but yeah, I love, I, here's the thing, I love a good story. So like the moon landing, all of those, the, like the theatrics behind it, I think that's what entertained me enough to say like, all right, if they're going to go to this extent to try to convince me otherwise, um, what what am I missing, right? What am I missing about the way that our world was originally designed? And I am just now starting to understand like the lunar cycle. So why... Why do we have a lunar cycle? What does it do? There's, I mean, it it affects our crop rotation. It, you like you can plant certain things depending on whether the moon is waxing or waning, and you can, uh, you know, the seasons and understanding. There's just there's so much that's not even tapped into yet that we can have a better understanding of if we also understand the shape of the Earth. Uh, that's what I believe, and so that's what I'm kind of excited to tap into with the flat earth on a quick that's my cliff note ger- version <laughs> yeah no right on i think that it I, I, biblical cosmology is key to the next evolution of the church i just think it's really key in exposing how we've been lied to who really runs our system who's behind us why have they, they ingrained this in us and you know when you understand that literally these institutions were built by occultists and it's all about you know, turning our attention away from the creator. That's why it's important, you know, and when you, 
when you really start to get an understanding of biblical cosmology and you learn to take God for his word 100% and you embrace it and you embrace his creation, it brings you to this another level in your, at least for me, it's done that it's brought me to another level in my relationship with him. And it's made me more passionate about reading the word. And I think there's so many people that are, you know, maybe this is just a part of the, the bait that was on the book that's bringing them in, you know, we were casting the net and maybe this is one of the things that's bringing a lot of fish in. So I don't see it being a bad thing. And, and I think it's important to, to expose the liars. That's the most important thing is just getting the truth out there. And we want the truth. I'm really looking forward to December 2nd. Um, you, you heard about the flat earth debate, right? With, uh, uh, pastor Greg Locke and Dean Odell. Yes. I think that's going to be big time. I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I, a friend of mine that actually lives down in Tennessee sent me that and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. <laughs> and actually December, no, I won't be down there yet. So we have family in Tennessee, but we, I don't think they're going to go to the debate. <laughs> but I wish I could. <laughs> well, we'll catch the broadcast. Anything, uh, anything else, Alex, you wanted to add before we uh, say goodnight to, uh, to tonight's guest i just wanted to say to andrea that uh she confirmed my uh, downloads like i was meditating on the weekend and i got this message that i have to create an article called uh the devils and the distractions and what we were talking about today all the different things that are are coming at us and uh, not serving us and um that was confirmation to me that the devils and the distractions and uh it's something that i need to write and sit with and meditate and and put out to the world so i'm lo looking forward to that and i i love the topic of permaculture and natural healing and i i just think that this this is an amazing rabbit hole it's not a conspiracy theory it's it's such an awesome scientific thing to learn and look into and uh the more people that we enlighten on this topic i think the better so thank you very much for for enlightening me tonight yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I um I really enjoyed it. I know that I was a little sporadic all over the place, but I I enjoy just having the conversation. And if I can leave um your audience with anything, is just um keep pursuing the light, keep pursuing truth because like the battle's not done. It's not done. And mm -hmm. as long as you woke up with breath, like there is more to learn, there is more to do. And uh yeah, keep at it. Awesome. And one more time, uh, tell them where they could reach you. Oh, yes. the So my website is permacultureprincess.com. Uh, you can find me. My email is thepermacultureprincess at gmail.com. And I, my podcast is the Permaculture Princess Podcast. And my dad and I, you talked about my be, me being a daddy's girl. We have a little blog where we kind of share our writings. And that is familyfortruth.wordpress.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. We had some fun. I mean, we talked permaculture, we talked homesteading, we talked natural cures, healthy living, gunshot wounds, and flatter folks. Come on, <laughs> what, what more do you want from us? We're giving you everything we got here. And don't worry about the sporadicness because if you, more episodes you listen to of the Permamental Podcast, you will see I go sporadic all the time. So <laughs> that's, definitely, that's definitely okay with us. Thank you once again for joining us. Um, and I just wanted to tell you from a mentalist, remember, protect your dome and we'll see you next time. Peace. How do we find ourselves here within these walls and chains?